Hi, this is a podcast with the best bits of Breakfasters for week ending Friday the 5th of March. Breakfasters is a Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on this podcast, you'll hear us recap the hens party I went to on the weekend, bit of a um, review from last week. Uh, We also chatted to Will Anderson about his new show Legal at Melbourne Comedy Festival this year and we paid tribute to the great Michael Gadinsky. We taste tested some apples uh, with Digger for Down and Dirty as well. Simone Ubaldi reviewed Can't Get You Out of My Head, the epic new Adam Curtis documentary. Bobby McCummer came in to fill in for Jez and we were introduced to the origins of her nickname and we rounded out the week with our Friday funny bugger, Prue Blake. Melbourne's own Triple R. Desperate to know how was the hen's party. <laughs> I was thinking when I arrived, I'm like, oh, you haven't asked me anything. No, I've been waiting. <laughs> been waiting. We wanted to be like, what happened? It was really, it was actually really fun. Really? I just lent in. That's what you've got to do. Yeah. Embrace it. I'm still recovering from it. So, yeah. Re- so what happened um, that you can tell actually, us about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was all very, it was all very, you know, civilised. Oh, uh, Yeah. <laughs> What were you going to say? Legal? Yeah, it's like it wasn't. There's nothing. It wasn't like yeah, rude. Yeah, something like that. Mm. It was only the invited guests who were there. Is what I mean. No. Yes. Else. Um, and also I had a nightmare getting there, so I obviously was was, you know, worried about going, and then feeling very anxious, and but was like, oh look, because you were anxious because you didn't really know. Many. I didn't think I'd know many people, yeah. and it was also just like the idea of doing a silent disco. And oh, yeah, the, so we didn't know about the silent disco. Didn't you? No, remember, because you didn't... Oh, because I couldn't tell. You couldn't say what was... Yeah. So there was, it, was, it was planned. They said there'll be a lunch and then a silent disco and then we'll go out dancing or something. Yeah. And I was like, the idea of a silent disco fills me with dread. Have you... First time ever doing silent disco? I think so, yeah. So oh. this is your ring headphones. You can hear everything, but to the outside world, it's just you, you dancing in And silent. if you're in a room, that's fine. Yeah. But it's a parade. You know, you walk down the street. That's the plan, actually, oh. with this. With this. Oh, anyway. okay. Yeah, that's... Yeah. See, I'm a fan... I am a fan of the silent disco, mm. but only if everyone there is participating in the silent disco. Yes. Like, I don't need to be in public f- for that. And the, f- the first time I ever saw it, I was like, oh, man, this is so silly. This is <laughs> so silly. This is weird. It's so silly. I don't. This is. I don't like this. And then put the headphones on. Oh my god! This is the oh, best thing cool. ever. <laughs> it's so cool. And the best thing about it is you can be in a nightclub, and then you can take your headphones off and go. Hey, do you want to? Do you want me to go to the bar and get a drink? And then and <laughs> no then off yelling. you go. No yelling. That would be great. Um, there was a, a slight hiccup. Yeah. Um, so we had. So well, there was a hiccup of me getting there. Just. Buses were replacing trains. Bus didn't stop where I needed it to. Went all the way into the city. Then had to. <gasps> I was an hour oh. late. Oh! And I just, you know, you get that. that <laughs> yes, like, I've just got it there. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like on the tram, and I was just like, I- I'm just gonna go home. This is what's the point? I can't, I can't be an hour late. Blah blah blah. I was messaging. What would Freud say? <laughs> Sabotage yourself and then use an excuse my, to go home. That's what my partner said. He's like, do you think that I like no, this is not my fault? <laughs> it took me an hour and a half to get so it should have taken 20 minutes. Anyway, rocked up. It, no one even really noticed. It was all very casual. They just sat down to eat lunch. It was fine. Um, and I realised I actually do know a few people. Don't know them well, but like, you know, know some and this is nice and this actually isn't 
too big. This yeah. is great. Lunch was lovely. And then it was like, okay, we're moving on to step two. And I was like, oh, my God, what is happening? And then they bring out the headphones. We all put the headphones on. And then we're, like, milling about outside for ages out on the street. And um, and nothing's happening. And I'm like, sort of, we're playing around with the switches on the headphones. And I was like, oh, maybe they need it activated. Yeah. I reckon 20 minutes goes by. And then one of the um, bridesmaids who's sort of running it. So it's like, okay, slight hiccup. Head, uh, the, the company um, didn't charge the headphones. So they don't work. Um, so plan B. And then she just pulled out a portable speaker <laughs> and played music on that. And then we just, <laughs> and if anyone was there, we just walked all the way down Hoddle Street. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then through Collingwood to the next to the next venue um, with music playing out of the speaker. That's all right. You were just a... And, it look, and someone said... It it's more of like, a mobile disco. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was incredibly public. But I just had fun. I was Great. like, whatever. You know, and, and it was a really good vibe and got a few, you know, toots from cars going past. Yeah. And, um, but what a, you know, what a disaster. I hope they get their money back. Yeah. <laughs> What's the name of that name? <laughs> Yeah, oh. that makes me hot with fury. Yeah. Like you had one job. Oh, just – and then she said, oh, yeah, I was speaking to one of them. They said, oh, yeah, the guy at the company said, oh, um, yeah, do you have a, a portable generator? She's like, nah. Like, <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't happen to have one of those at my hen's party. Oh. Kath had a um, – yeah, speaking of like this one job, Kath had booked a people to do a barbecue – um, for a work function the other day mm. and the guy – and she, like, just had this bad feeling. It was, like, maybe an hour before and she went, I'm just going to call and called him and said, hey, just giving you instructions on, you know, where to go to today, where to set up the barbecue. And he went, oh, you didn't you didn't confirm. Oh. And it's like, oh. how much oh, no. confirmation is required? Because it was like they called – and said, uh, we'd like to use you. Oh, yep, send me a thing. They were sent a tax invoice. What? Yeah, and it's like, it was like three things that it was like, oh, I didn't know that you confirmed. Like, nah, mate, you just didn't put this in your diary, did you? I so, reckon yeah. that's my theory. So anyway, someone else saved the day. She got someone else. Uh, isn't it great minute. that someone saved the day? Yeah, yeah. It was such a relief. And the transistor, was it a, oh, what was it, a portable CD just a little, just No, just a little um, just a little speaker, like a Bluetooth speaker. Oh, yeah, of oh, course. Yeah. And it was funny because then like the group would, would spread and then the sound would like, you know, cut out because it was losing the signal from the person at the phone. Oh. And then, <laughs> um, oh, but ended fun. up being really, ended up being really fun. And yeah, everyone was nice. When the um, the headphones weren't working, I was, I thought that you would have stepped in or you you would have been enlisted. It's like, hey, <laughs> you're this DJ. is my bag. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I brought my generator. What <laughs> Don't so worry, <laughs> easy sold. Have you got your small generator? I can't believe it. I you. Can't. Um, your weekend though, any silent discos for you? No, I mean it was it was a combined mother's birthday and Gabriel's birthday, so we redid Valentine's Day basically. Mm-hmm. Valentine's Day got a do over. Does that make sense? Oh no, that was two weeks ago. Oh yeah, we've yeah. been locked down since. Then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was good. I took um, Gabriel to the park uh, and just on my own, but then. Gabriel was due to come back. And so what happened was you used to have this dog or Ben. Mm. And when it was, t- if you got lost, actually before feeding, 
him, we'd ring the bell. Mm-hmm. And so Pavlov. the Pavlovian thing. And so when he when he would go missing, you'd ring the bell, loud bell, and he would invariably come back because yeah. you can hear it blocks and blocks away. Amazing. So I'm playing with Gabriel on a swing and the bell goes off. <gasps> and I'm Was like, for, you to come for me to come back. <laughs> I'm a dog. Well, it's very clever. <laughs> Bring really, back the baby. In a way, in a way that's, that's pretty good. Oh. It is good. I, it was. It's not, what's the word for infantilizing, but for pets? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Uh, but but yeah, it was it was a terrific day. And then um, yesterday there was went to Yamcha. Oh, yum. Mm. And Jessie's just good at Yamcha. She knows, oh, what, knows get. what to get. Yeah, and very. It, she like the staff are just sort of like business abrupt. <laughs> not not easily offended, actually find the curtness quite funny. Mm. Uh, does this make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, completely. And so she's like, no, not that one. But no one gets offended. Huh. Whereas I'm, I always feel like. Gosh, oh, I'll yeah, have it, met, I'll have it, yeah. Bit you. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and got dessert. Oh, which yeah. I, don't think, I never get to say No, that. nobody does. Uh-huh. For, For good reason. reason. <laughs> oh, right. Fair enough. <laughs> I um I went to flew to Sydney on on Friday, and I got to do a show at the Enmore Theatre, which has just had a bit of a makeover, got oh. a new roof and and stuff, and it was it looks amazing. But at the same time, I was like. What have they done? What are <laughs> they hiding? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like I've only been to the end more once or twice before, but it was just like I, I don't know what's different. But mm. once it was pointed out, it was lovely. New carpet. Um, <clears throat> and I got to stay in one of the fanciest hotels ever. Really? Like it was so nice. Like it was, you know, the cab pulls up at the front and, you know, straight away someone opens my door and – Thankfully, I checked his – did work at the hotel um, and he took my bag <clears throat> and he said, you know, come in. And then he said, can I get you a glass of white wine? I'm like, yes. Oh. Yes. It was bubbles but, like, Great. even better. Yeah. It's like, oh, thank you. And then, um, you know, went into the room and opened up, like, the curtain and, you know, you kind of like, oh, I hope you get a good view and it's – just like the Sydney Harbour Bridge, wow. like right, right there, like across the road, right there. Fantastic! That's it was amazing. Cool. I was like, "Oh, this is so fancy. This is so fancy." Anyway, I was there for an hour and then had to go. <laughs> uh, had to go. We got picked up to go to the theatre so early. Yeah. Like it was like because they wanted to do a sound check, so picked us up at four thirty. Uh, and then the show didn't start till seven thirty. Oh, I was like, what? yeah, I was so bored. I just want to go look out my window. Yeah, yeah. have a little nap or something. It's just like, oh, just waiting. Anyway, the show was amazing. Great, so amazing. It was so great just to be in front of that many people. Like it was sold out. Like COVID sold out at the end more. So I don't know how many that was, but it was heaps. Um, and then, yeah, went back to the hotel. I was like, oh, it's a nice hotel. And then slept for a few hours and got up and left again. So it was just oh. like, oh, it's the fanciest place I've stayed in was for such a short amount of time. Yeah, and having a luggage generator as well. Yeah. <laughs> Triple R. 
Will Anderson is a writer, presenter, podcaster and one of the great stand-up comedians winning the People's Choice Award at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival a record six times. His new live show, Will Eagle, is on at the Arts Centre from April 6 and ahead of the show's run, the lifetime subscriber to Triple R and Maxibon Enthusiast joins us on the line now. Will, welcome to Breakfasters. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I was paid to be a Maxibon enthusiast for a couple of years, but... It would be unfair to say that I was still a Maxibon enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> like, in fact, even at the time, I will say, because I did an advertisement, this was about 20 years ago, I suppose, now, like probably even longer than that for the Maxibon ice cream, right? Well, wasn't allowed to say ice cream because it's not really an ice cream. So I was improvising in these commercials, but I was never allowed to say, uh, I wasn't allowed to say chocolate and I wasn't allowed to say ice cream. Then what is it? legally... It's neither of those two things. (laughs) I had to say it was a chalk-coated ice confection, I think was the language that I had to use technically. And the thing was, they were like, well, seeing you've done these advertisements, we're happy to send you like, you know, three boxes of them to your house, you know, to put in your freezer. And I was like, oh, can I have some frosty fruits instead? (laughs) And they were like, yeah, no worries. So they sent me three boxes of frosty fruits. You've um you've been doing breakfast radio on and off for what over twenty years. Is there is there a habit that when you're not doing breakfast radio you keep? Do you you know do you read the papers every day? Do you still get up early? Uh no 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 no. I think no is the answer to that. Like <laughs> I, I grew up on a farm, so I still have that like w- waking up early in the morning thing. But no, no, I, I've stopped reading the papers. Completely. Is that something that I can admit these days? Yeah, please. This was the year. This was the year where I was like, when I stopped buying the newspaper, I was like, oh, this is bad news for newspapers. Because I feel like I was one of the rare people who was keeping newspapers going. Yeah. I think like, it's just you and Daniel Burt. So Daniel's <laughs> holding up the flag now, so it's all right. <laughs> I mean, I might go back to it in winter when I need something to help me start lighting the fire. <laughs> but other than that, no. Is uh, and and what's it like getting on stage again after a what a year hiatus? Yeah, oh, well, I mean, it was. I so I did one one audience uh, free uh, like like show for Stan. You know the TV network Stan. They did this like lockdown comedy festival. So they sent everybody cameras and said, "Can you set it up yourself and film it yourself?" Which that should have been the show. <laughs> A whole bunch of comedians trying to film themselves doing a show should have actually been the show. And so I do mine under my house. We set up a little comedy club under the house. I've set it up. I I wanted to do this whole piece like seven minutes just in a row. And so it's 10 o'clock in the morning. I had to get it done by 12. That was like the timeline of it so I could send it back. So I'm down there in this pretend comedy club. There is no audience there, obviously. I filmed this entire piece like seven minutes in a row and I've only filmed my ear. And there was a part of me that was like, just send that. Just say it's a new direction. I'll go a little bit at Zoe Coombs Ma. You know, it's like a new angle. It's meant to just be my ear. You're meant to be listening to what I'm saying. Like, just send it through. But I was like, no, I better better film it properly. So I go back and I, I, I just, now I can't get it. I just cannot get through this seven-minute piece and I keep buggering it up and I keep buggering it up and I'm getting more and more frustrated. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, normally I have a drink 
while I'm performing. So I go upstairs, I grab a beer. It's 10 o'clock in the morning, of course. And like, so now I'm down under my house, dressed in my show clothes at 10 o'clock in the morning, like drinking beer. I get through the first beer. I still can't, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a second beer. Uh, Now it's been like, it's got to have been like nearly an hour of me trying to do this thing. And I realize that I'm in a pretend comedy club (laughs) under my house, dressed in my clothes, like drinking beer at 10 o'clock in the morning, trying to do my set. And I've just turned into one of those people who doesn't tell their family that they've lost their job. <laughs> and they just their clothes every morning. They go and eat their sandwich out of their suitcase in like the park. That is me. That is my life now. So being back in front of audiences kind of makes it feel like it's a real job. Mm. What- well, sorry, I've watched your lockdown <laughs> special and because I did the same thing, I feel felt your pain of you know, and I I watched yours and just went, oh, he's such a professional. It doesn't even matter that there's no audience there. He can just stand up with the microphone and tell his jokes like there's like he's in a room full of people, and everybody else, including me, does some weird wacky shit to go along with it. <laughs> but there's no audience. I'm so. Um, hats off to you because I thought it was I thought it was terrific, but I understand how great it is to be in front of an audience. It's it's one of those jobs, isn't it, Jess? It's like it, it really it's hard to justify that it's a real job because at the end of the day, we've just decided that we're better at something that everybody does for free every day talking. Like you can't shut people up. We've, it's like it's the lowest bar of entry for a job, stand-up comedy, which is like, <laughs> are you going to play guitar? Nah. Are you gonna, like, you know, like is there a script? Is there acting and stuff? Nah. I just reckon I'm so good at talking that you're willing to hand over some cash to hear me talk for <laughs> 70 minutes. Like, at, it, like it's, it's barely a job at the best of time, but you take away the audience and you really are just talking. Yeah. Do you ever get sick of the sound of your own voice? Well, I mean, I don't listen back to stuff much. I've recently been doing a project where I've had to go through some of my podcasts and, yeah, that's heavy going. Like I do, like sometimes when you look at your numbers for things and you, like, you're disappointed you haven't sold as much as you wanted to or there's not as many people listening to something and then you actually hear yourself and you're like, oh, there's heaps more people into this than it should be. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm surprised it's as popular as it is. So I'm very grateful. Reading between the lines there, it sounds like there's a philosophy book on the way. Well, Daniel, I, 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 if there was, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Yeah, that I know, I know, I know. So <laughs> <laughs> what about... And, and on the way is a very loose term. <laughs> <at the moment. laughs> yeah. The people who would like it to be published would love it to be much more on the way than it currently is. <laughs> um, are there any gems that have really stayed with you? Uh I, I mean, there's lots. That that's honestly the the truth of it. But there's a couple of like favorite, uh, you know, episodes. Even just recently, there's a guy called Craig Coombs, who um, uh, a lot of people in the comedy industry will know. But he was diagnosed with terminal cancer and a whole bunch of horrible, uh, deadly diseases. Uh, you know, about seven years ago, I think now. Even where they just basically said it's it's not if it's when and he's been incredibly lucky that you know he's kind of had a longer life than he expected and done all these things that were on his bucket list and you know lived this sort of incredible life but he is now in that point in his life where he's in the you know he's starting the voluntary euthanasia 
program and, you know, putting that in place in case, you know, he needs to make that decision. And he came on the show and, you know, talked through what it was like to be at the point of your life where you are really talking about, I am, you know, putting in the process of dying and what that's like to tell your friends about. And for him, you know, he said to me, one of the best things about it was that he could, um, get his friends to listen to the show and that would open up some conversations that he could then have with them and that he you know, contacted me afterwards to say that there was some really close people in his life that he found it really hard to say some of those things to and they'd been able to hear the show and then sit down and ask him questions about where he was at and what he wanted to do. So it's for me, they're the moments that really stick with me, like the idea that the show can be an opportunity for someone to to open up and have a conversation in their own life with somebody who's important to them, they're all, they're always the cool moment, the coolest moments for yeah. me from the show. Do you think you've got a handle on when people approach you or what what they're a fan of? It's like, oh, you're a podcast fan, you love to stand up, you're an ABC Russet on Gruen lover, you know. And do they intersect a lot, or are they all are they all the one demographic? Uh, I don't know. Is uh, is probably the most honest answer to that question. Like you'd like to think that you know, but like often, like I was in the airport the other day, which even sounds like a strange thing to say, but I was in the airport the other day flying for work, and like this old lady came up to me, like, and I was like, oh, here we go, ABC, you know, t- uh, yeah, I profiled her. Profiled her <laughs> the airport. I don't feel very proud of it, but it was an old lady coming towards me, and I was like, okay, well, she must be an ABC, but she was a podcast listener. She was a, I mean, she was a philosophy listener. She wasn't a two guys, one cup listener. Yeah. You can still get this different demographics <laughs> between those podcasts as well, but um yeah uh, no I, I i think there is probably a little bit of crossover but i i've got over that idea i used to be one of those people and it wasn't like particularly pleasant about me i think which was i did not understand why everybody didn't love everything that i did mm. like i didn't understand that you know you could like the tv show but not like my stand-up or you could like my stand-up but not like the podcast or you could like the podcast and not like one of the other podcasts like that was always a really foreign idea to me i was like well if you like my stuff why don't you like all of my stuff whereas like in the last few years i've become much more comfortable with that idea that well no, 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 like, you know, Tofop might not be for you, but you might like philosophy or, you know, you might like me on the TV, but you don't like me shouting at you in a stand-up room. I get that. They're, they're, they're different things and they're made for different people. And uh, how's the back and will it make an appearance in Will Eagle? Oh, well, the back's in Will Eagle. Like, because Will Eagle's the show, uh, it's a return season, Will Eagle. It's a show that I wrote about being arrested on the way to Wagga Wagga. So it's all back related. That's the, <laughs> it's a it's a fully back related show. The back's feeling a bit better, but I'll still be able to get into character for the show. It's fine. There's some horrible muscle memory there that'll get me uh, limping and moaning on stage at the time. And I just something you said before about the show clothes what are the show clothes and have you updated them ever or do do you go through phases yeah I, I like to wear the same thing every night that's the most important thing I feel like I'm, I mean I'm basic black you know that's really what I wear it's a very Batman approach <laughs> <laughs> a very basic black uniform that I put on to go out and fight comedy crime and But the most important thing is it's the same thing every night. So if I'm doing like a festival show, it's just putting on my uniform before I go to work. So whatever I've done that day, I can just shake that off and I can put on my show clothes and go and do the show. Do you have multiple T-shirts or you just wear a dirty, dirty shirt every night? 
I mean, I washed, but yes, okay, I agree. Right. No, that's all I need to know. Right, Jess, it's both of those things is the truth. <laughs> I have like, I normally have a double of the outfit and so I probably wash every second day. And so, oh, yeah. yes, yeah. You're a clever and, man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Will Eagle is playing at the Playhouse, the Art Centre, from April 6 to April 18 during the Melbourne Comedy Festival. You can head to artcentremelbourne.com.au or at imaginecomedyfestival.com.au as well. And uh, Will Anderson, such a treat to chat. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks very much for having me this morning. Thanks, Will. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. Time to talk media and the uh, tragic news broke yesterday that Michael Gadinsky had passed away suddenly at the age of 68 the previous night and uh, tributes were round, coming from all around the country, all around the world. Bruce Springsteen notably referred to him as his friend and one of the best promoters he'd ever met. Um, and it's just a, it's obviously, it's a, it's a shock when anyone dies suddenly but someone like him who was still so active in the industry I think is what's caught people by surprise so much that people talk about the day the day he died the day before he died he was still calling up musicians and he had he had big plans for live music to reinvigorate the scene here in Melbourne after lockdown and um it had certainly showed no signs of slowing down and Mm. um I think you know this loss will be felt for a really long time because he is inimitable you know there's there was no other promoter like him no one else who had that passion for you know, Australian music and sort of showing the rest of the world how good our local artists are. You know, before he came along, no one really knew how to do that. No one really mm. cared to do it, you know. Um, and he came in, he, he was a big supporter of Triple R. Last year, he just casually donated 10 grand to, to Radio yeah, to radio the, I, was, I, was, I was listening when that when that happened. It was, you know, it was Brian on, on off the record was, you know, talking to him during Radiothon. And it was just this really long, amazing chat and, you know, Mike was just talking about how in, important, you know, places like Triple R in promoting Australian music and how it's, you know, it's a really great relationship. And then like, just in the middle of of, <clears throat> of, of a sentence just dropped yeah. in like, oh, yeah, and we're going to donate $10,000. Yeah, that's right. And it was just like... <laughs> And it wasn't a great line either, like a great phone yeah. line. And I was like, wait, was what? That, is that what you said? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did she say and that Paul, again? And then he just carried on talking and then Brian had to go, whoa, whoa. <laughs> kind of bring it back around and go, thanks so much. That's really generous. But yeah. it was just a, it was a great moment. Yeah, and, and obviously a strong supporter of Melbourne as well as, you know, the live music capital. And throughout last year he put on a bunch of streaming shows that, you know, no one else had done and obviously he's got a lot of capital to put behind that, had the power to do so. But And I remember he, I got to chat to him a few years ago on Out on the Patio, which was, you know, very fortunate to be able to do that. But I remember think, being a bit cynical before him coming in, thinking, oh, he's a big he's a big mogul, big music mogul. He's probably just got he, a bit of an... Because he's associated with, like, Skyhooks and Jimmy Barnes. and But he came in and was so supportive of Triple R of and just knew so much about the local scene. He knew all the songs I was playing, he knew all the artists, he knew who they were dating, what bands they'd been in mm. and where they played and he would rock up to gigs at Northcote Social Club if he thought they were worth it, you know. So just yeah, really get his finger on the pulse. And well I think he told you a high school dropout and Yeah. <laughs> you know, worked with Muddy Waters as well. Like and yeah, started when he was Seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Just an epic life. And I 
such a cheerleader for Melbourne and people of his calibre aren't easily replaced if they're replaceable at all. I just think it's this one hits hard at a moment when I think this city and its culture need all, needs all of its champions. Oh, big time. And he was really putting his shoulder to the wheel and then for this for him to pass away, it's it really sucks for the city. Yeah. And and also he was telling you, you know, that I've got credibility in my old age. Yeah. <laughs> and at least and I want to throw my weight around. How many people do that? Yeah, totally. Just ride yeah. on the coattails of their own success or or kick out the ladder from underneath them. Yeah. And he didn't he didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, it's such a massive and charismatic figure. Yeah. And then he also, I was listening to your interview, Mon, and he oh. said, I'll die proud for Australian music and I'm proud to have contributed to it, mm. which I think is pretty touching words from the man himself. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And just such a supporter of young people in the industry as well. You talk to anyone who's worked for Mushroom and they couldn't say a bad word about him. He's definitely, you know, definitely, a, I guess, an intimidating figure. Um, because of his success and because of his power, but didn't let people stand in his way. But at the same time, was incredibly supportive and um, and just that, like calling up and casually dropping ten grand to Triple R. Yeah, didn't need to do that, but yeah, believed in you'll it. be hearing tributes all week. I'd imagine Superfluity is well kicked off last night oh, right. with a bit of going around and round uh, with Michael Gadinsky tracks. It's it's yeah, as you've suggested, yeah, his legacy is. You know, people talk about his legacy and it's hard to build up a legacy mm. and he's got it. But I just worry that him as an individual is irreplaceable. Yeah, mm. I think I, I think it's that's fair to say. And and we're just lucky to have had him. Mushroom will turn 50 next year. Amazing. Um, and oh. I think there were big celebrations in the works for that. And they'll absolutely go ahead. Yeah. But it's just a shame, you know, that he won't be around for it. Yeah. Um, in... Uh, other news. The story I I came across um, in Poland. <laughs> Let's go to the other side of the world. Something completely different. Um, a Polish court um, has acquitted an LGBT activist. Um, and so two years ago, there was some uh, activists who um, held up, well, put up posters of a like a. a a religious iconic poster, but it had like Mary and, and Jesus, um, but with the halo as uh, above Mary is a rainbow flag, and above Jesus it was a transgender flag, um, and so they got arrested. But yesterday they they were acquitted. Um, so uh, the the court um, where they distributed the images in 2019. Um, that ruled on Tuesday that they did not see evidence of a crime. They found that the activists were not motivated by a desire to offend anyone's beliefs, but rather to defend those facing discrimination. Um, the goal of the activists was to show support to LGBT individuals to fight for their equal rights. Um, and so it, it was, it, and it's obviously it's a huge case. Is the the Polish government is really quite con- conservative and has seemed to become more conservative over the years. So um, a lot of uh, a lot of LGBT people in Poland don't have many rights. So this is um, it was obviously a yeah a huge a huge win for the for the defendants. Yeah, also on sort of free speech and blasphemy grounds. Mm. Yes, yeah. And also, just just going toward the other side of the world, 
uh, in terms of, uh, say, venues as well, which yeah. Michael Gadinsky was very passionate about, is it in New Zealand. So Dunedin, you know, has 20,000 students who attend the country's oldest university there. It's, you know, there are cheap rents, street parties, hedonistic vibe. It's pretty mad and amazing. And the police are like, can we please have more pubs? <laughs> Yeah, we need somewhere for people to go. Please let them party there. Wow. (laughs) Great cop. Yeah. (laughs) Triple R. Dirt, dirt, dirt. It's where you grow your plants. Dirt, dirt, dirt. Hey, you got some on your pants. Can you stop saying about dirt? Gardening and grower extraordinaire, Justin digger Calvary is here to get down and dirty. Morning, Digger. Morning, all. It's weird. It's dark. Mm, It's dark here. This is the first time that I can remember in a very long time that talking to you guys, I'm looking out the window, streetlights are still on. Oh, Oh, what an interesting observation. Yeah, it is dark. Uh, And do you you get melancholy when the seasons change in a Gregorian sense or you don't think about it in a Gregorian sense? Um, not necessarily in Gregorian sense, but I love this change because we're going into autumn, which is the best season in the world mm-hmm. ever um, in Gregorian autumn. Um, Muyan in native, in indigenous season. So, yeah, it's the best. It's the best temperature. I like it. Cool, really cool mornings. Mm. Warms up a little bit in the afternoon. Nothing too drastic. Get a bit of rain every now and again. It's perfect. All right. Is it good apple and it's weather? Apple season. Ah, oh. <laughs> what a coincidence! So it's a pretty shitty segue, but um, apples are my favourite plants of all plants. Is that right? Why? Of all plants, they're just they're so versatile. I think they're beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. They've got fantastic. Their natural habit is upright and rounded. Fantastic habit. They've got a mid non-offensive green leaf. They're super hardy. There's something in, in for every season. Seasonal interest is perfect. So you've got autumn colour and fruiting for some of them. You've got incredible architecture in the wintertime when the leaves are dropped. Some of the most beautiful blossom in the springtime. And then summertime, lovely dappled shade and the birth of the new fruit ripening. It's just, they're just the best. Mm, wow. Beautifully said. And they're hardy too. <clears throat> Go for it. Sorry, I cut you off. I think Geraldine was just in fierce agreement saying they're very oh, good plants. Um, no, they are. <laughs> it's also, you, yeah, you, so you dropped, a, you dropped around a six-pack. You took out the beer and yeah. um, and dropped around a six-pack of apples. I oh, know. I was a bit crook on the way. I had to smash those six beers. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, we got it done. So, you know, whatever it, whatever it takes for the, for the segment. So, yeah, I've dropped off um, some apples for you to taste. Mm-hmm. So... The first one, the smallest, it's the smallest one with a little bit of red on it, is called Comdenige, or commonly known as snow apple. Um, now, this will be interesting. So you've got to get you guys to bite into it. Jez and I will keep talking while you, you hear the crunch. But it's away. the whitest of the whitest in the ah, flesh. Okay. Right. So bite into the – go for it. Mm. Show us how wide it is. Hold it up. Oh, that is – well, that's maybe the light shining on it, but it looked very white. Yeah. Um, yeah. So very snow-like has the snow apple. Now, I like them a little bit tart. I don't know how you – I didn't case test your apples. I left them <laughs> straight up off the tree. How'd they go? <laughs> I like it. It's gorgeous. Bit, a, little bit, a little bit tart, a little, little bit, bit fresh. Mm. It is all of that. Yeah. 
yeah, but um, you know, wonderful little thing. Um, highly desired apple. Usually fresh eating, but you know, <clears throat> people do cook them up as well. But yeah, just a wonderful little snack size apple. Yeah. Cute. Next one. That's so true. <laughs> if you're intimidated by apple size or fruit size. Oh, how bad is it getting? Well, there's we've got a, we've got one coming up that it's quite intimidating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get, get a snow apple drive. for a bit of a hit. A quick hit. Yeah, it's it's just like you know a traveller meat pie. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's three bites. It's gone. Done. Magic. I don't feel crappy. Oh. I could probably have another one, but I won't. And that's that. I think that's what the snow apple. And is I haven't had like. breakfast. Is that a bad thing? Um, if you eat too many apples on an empty stomach, you're going to get apple belly, which is, yeah, it's a weird feeling. Huh. But anyway, let's push on. Okay. <laughs> You've got to get through these. This, I think, is the nicest looking one. It looks like the a cartoon super red apple. One. Yeah. Yeah, it's red all the way around. Now, this is going to blow your mind. So, with no preconception, just have a nice big bite, chew a big bit off, and see, look inside. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Something what? is terribly oh my God. <laughs> wrong. Have a look at that. It's Can red inside. It people who aren't watching. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, look. <laughs> <laughs> My God. What does it taste like? Because that's red. In is it? It's red on the outside and red on the inside, like mm. a plum. Mm. Does and it taste? Cool. What does it taste like? It's very sweet, I reckon. Yeah, it is. It's sweeter than the other one. Mm-hmm. Maybe even is have it... a little bit of a little bit of a tang. Tang is perfect. I yeah. can't. Everyone. Everyone's adjectives are fantastic. <laughs> just sitting here, just nodding in dumb agreement. I like it's, it. It's called Red Love. Mm. Um, it's a new one. It was developed in Switzerland in the last five to ten years. Um, so, yeah, it's a beautiful, I don't know what, what tone red you'd call it, but like tomato red on the outside, maybe a bit deeper, mm. but kind of like a reddish pink on the inside, like a plum. Yeah, so it's beautiful. So there's not much differentiation between the skin and the flesh, which is really unusual. Yeah. The outside looks like an apple from a Renaissance painting. Yeah, that's what right. I mean. It's yes. like classic, yeah. classic mm. apple. Great description. If you want, Jez, I won't buy it anymore and I'll keep it here for next week when you're back. <laughs> and so why aren't these more commonly known or available? Um, because they're, they're new. They're relatively new. Like I said, I got this off my tree and I've had it in the ground for three years and this is my first decent flush of fruit that you're getting a taste of, you know. So my kids love going out because it's in our front garden and all the neighbours come past and they take a bite and show them and freak people mm. out <laughs> what there is. So, yeah, we're very excited. This is our first year of having, you know, we've probably got, you know, 30 apples off it this year. So we're pretty excited. Oh, and have you just used them to eat, or have you used them in any kind of like cooking? Or no, no, we haven't cooked them at all yet because you know um, having two ravenous boys and you know schools and always snacking. It's I just try and leave as much fruit on the trees as possible, and whenever mm. they say I'm hungry, which is probably every four to five seconds, I just point <laughs> outside, you know, and just like go and yeah. that's forage. Why we've, that's why we've got thirty six fruit trees, you know, just <laughs> go and get something to eat. Wow, what, so what's good. this one called again? Red Love. Red Love. It's mind-bending. Yeah, yeah um, I like it. Yeah, so there's more and more coming on. I've got a, another one that I put in last year, so it's probably two years away, called Magnus Summer Surprise, which is red like this as well, but the foliage is burgundy, so it doesn't ah. have green leaves. It's like it's burgundy Ooh. foliage um, that turned red in autumn and the flesh is red and the skin is red. It's going to be a cr- – I can't wait for it to mature. Beautiful. Yeah. 
Um, so what was your rate? Hang on, we'll probably no, we'll finish all of them, then mm. rate your okay, do your yeah. scores. Well, all right, the last one is called Opalescence. This is the big boy, this one. It's a large one. So yeah. you see it's got this white kind of film on it. Yeah. It gets called Opalescence because if you shine it on your shirt, uh, rub it on your shirt, Ooh. you'll see it really shine up. Yeah, it does. Oh. I feel like I'm about to spin bowl, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. Show us your apple warning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that, that cherry's got some nice gloss on it, you know, so you just do one side of it at a time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. um, yeah, so it gets this really light shine. Now, They're so firm, Digga. All of these apples are so firm. Well, I only picked them yesterday morning, yeah. you know, before I dropped them off to you. So, yeah. Mm. It's got an unusual flavour, hasn't it? It's got a different tang to it. It's different to the others. Yeah. Yeah. Would like sweeter? Not mild. It's more subtle. Mm. Yeah, it's right. like you're settling in for a meal. Tastes more just yeah. like your, your your red apple. You yeah, okay. I, mean? um, like I find it's kind of like it's not a floral. It's, I wouldn't say florally, but there's a different kind of texture on the tongue with it too. It's just a, it's just that little bit different from most other apples the way it eats. Yeah. Well, it's from, it's is is Moorish a bad description? Because for God's like, it, <sighs> it's not as yeah, it's not as sweet as the others. No, it mm. is. It's probably like an easier, easier eating. Yeah, apple, maybe. But it's so big. Yeah. So you yeah, know, it's the size of probably two cricket balls or oversized cricket ball. Maybe a softball. Yeah. They can get two softball size. Light chain. <laughs> <laughs> so what about a score? Can you give us a score? Wait them for all of them. One to three in in your favourites. Number one for me is the red love. Yeah. Yeah. Oh right. Oh, because the novelty or the taste I or think all of it. Nah, the taste, but also the novelty. Yeah, okay. And, and then I reckon, you know what? I think number two is the snow apple, and like the last one is that big boy. Too me. intimidating, the big boy, was it? Yeah, <laughs> too much apple. I don't want to get the hungry, hungry full that you get from Is that what happens? Yeah, hungry full. That's what I feel like. Sometimes, I used to sometimes just would like start the morning with just an apple, and then I'd be like, like. So you feel full, but you're still hungry? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's a scientific You'll ask Dr. Jen. I'll be with that one. Yeah. Oh, the, oh the, the, the snow and b- just because it's so short and powerful and beautiful, then uh, what was this one that we just had? The Opalescence. Opalescence. I, I would choose – I would put that in a lunchbox. Oh, yeah. The bloody big lunchbox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to tow a trailer. That's right, just to show off. And then the – the third one, and it's a very high third one because it's absolutely glorious. Yeah, is the the love, red yeah, love, red love. Well, there you go. So for punters out there, there's a, you know four and a half thousand different varieties of apples available to you to hunt down. So get online, look at um, heritage fruit trees in up in Beaufort in Victoria. There's Woodbridge in Tasmania. There's Yelka in Australia. There's just growers everywhere that you can buy trees online, and now's the time to do it. So. By doing your research, taste testing, whatever, in autumn, you put your order in in winter and then they de- get delivered to you in very late winter as a bare-rooted tree and you can pop them in. So get and excited. And then you can make apple cider. Yeah. And then you can you can get cider apples. You can do all sorts. They're so flexible in there. Mm. You can make espalier designs out of them, flexible in the kitchen, eating fresh, however you want to cook them. Oh, they're just the best. They're best all round in. Best all-rounder in the garden, I reckon. Fantastic. Uh, mm. Digger, grower and shower. Sorry you missed out there, Jez. 
Uh, That's all right. I'll go buy some. <laughs> I'll have to get a slab to come and deliver them for you. <laughs> uh, thanks, mate. Catch you later. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Triple R. Yes, reviewing TV and film, we're joined by screen watcher and socio-political sponge, Simonia Baldy. Morning, Simone. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Well, How you, you're doing? lying. It's not a particularly good morning for you. But nonetheless, <laughs> put on a brave face for 10 minutes and let's persevere. I'm alive. <laughs> yes, exactly. Good start. What are, you, what are you bringing to us? What am I bringing to you? I'm bringing to you a, a, a documentary series that I made reference to um, on my last spot, which is Adam Curtis's Can't Get You Out of My Head which is um, it's available to watch on YouTube. It's a British documentary that was released directly onto the BBC iPlayer, um, but Adam Curtis being this cult documentary filmmaker, all of his films tend to go straight out onto YouTube. So in answer to anyone's question at the end, that's where you can watch it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I've been a fan of Adam Curtis for a long time. He's been making, I mean, he's been in, television he's been working for the bbc since the early 80s i think and he's been sort of a notable cult documentarian for the better part of oh we're coming up on three decades now um but i feel like this particular release can't get you out of my head has received more people are talking about it than his last film so he's i think he's kind of he's hit some kind of tipping point and he's like a known entity now um which is Great, but an odd one because Can't Get You Out of My Head is not his best work. Right. Interesting. Why do you say that? Well, so I'll tell you a bit about it first. (laughs) All of Adam Curtis's um, work is kind of similar. What he does is he buries himself in the BBC archives for months and years at a time watching various tiers of obscure recorded material from the history of of audiovisual humanities audiovisual material so there's something like 60 miles worth of archives in one of the bbc sites uh he has full access to all of them some of it is digitized some of it is not and he watches all of it uh in this kind of um excavating process that isn't necessarily about a subject and just marks bits of film uh, and tape that just is interesting to him in some way, whether it's because it speaks to his particular subject or he just likes the vibe of it. And then he takes these thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of film that are of interest to him and he pieces them together into these trippy, kaleidoscopic, um, heavily, like, vibe-heavy excursions through these scraps and fragments of our collective history. Previously, his work has been on around certain themes and subjects. So it's basically this, it's just all archival footage, nothing filmed is new. And then over the top of it, you have Adam Curtis uh, essentially delivering, delivering an essay about the human condition um, in his estimation and pulling together these different facts, historical facts, to kind of make a persuasive argument about how and why we are who we are as a human race. So previously 
Um, his two strongest films have been sort of more tightly around a particular theme. There's one called Bitter Lake that was about the the war uh, on terror, which is extraordinary. Um, and there's one called Hypernormalization, which is my favourite one of him his, which is essentially about the rise of Donald Trump um, and how we sort of reality has become this very elastic thing. Can't Get You Out of My Head is a six-part, and I think it's about 10 hours, um, documentary that he subtitled An Emotional History of the Modern World, and what it's about is just everything, just every goddamn thing. And you've watched all six parts? I've watched all six parts. Wow. In one sitting? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> each part, each individual individual part is film length. And it sort of starts early to mid-20th century. It is interesting. It's really impossible to say what it's about because it's not actually about anything. But the kind of subjects, historical subjects it touches on are various different uh, attempts at revolution. It looks at the notion of human reality as being a constructed a fairy tale uh, constructed by elites to control a passive population. It looks at how various revolutions have failed to overturn structures of power. Uh, it looks at lots of individual actors within that landscape, so people like a guy called Michael uh, DeFratis, who is like a British Malcolm X figure, um, gets a lot of focus. There's a... Um, a woman who's the subject of an early, a relatively early BBC documentary about um, transitioning to become a woman. Uh, uh, Zhang Qing, I'm sorry, my pronunciation is terrible, Mao Zedong's wife, who was a leading figure in the Cultural Revolution, is given a lot of airtime. Tupac is given a lot of airtime, both as his own in his own role as a kind of... Uh, kind of cultural prophet, but also as the son of a prominent Black Panther woman who was also given a lot of airtime as somebody who kind of foiled uh, an F a police plot to try and infiltrate the Black Panthers. But then you see a lot of a lot of it is about kind of social engineering and scientific advancement and refers to people like Danny Kahneman as the birth of our modern conception of um uh, bias theory and psychology, Jeffrey Hinton, who talks about neural networks and machine learnings. You go into the very early days of like the Google setup in the shed. Right. It just goes. There's a lot going on. Everywhere. Mm. The Russian oligarchs and Putin and contemporary Chinese surveillance state. Mm. And there's a lot of dancing footage in it. And <laughs> there are a lot of. Like in any particular three minutes of this series, you could be bombarded with 20 different images that are sort of fascinating and hypnotic. So the reason why I've watched all six, in answer to your question, Bobby, the reason why I've watched all six episodes and quite happily, even though I don't think it's his best work, is because it's just a trip. Mm, it's just yeah. the footage is fascinating the history that is embedded in it is fascinating and it's just a sort of dark pleasure to watch the unspooling of all of these secret and not-so-secret worlds of humanity. Mm -hmm. And is, is the sprawling nature of it what makes it not live up to his past work in your mind? or is I, do think, I do think that Tider is better when it comes to Curtis, but the main issue is that 
what's been so compelling about his previous work is that there's a there is a strong central essay that is so compelling. It's almost like, even though a lot of can't get you out of my head is actually about conspiracy theories and attempting to explain the current era of distress, paranoia and conspiracy that surrounds us. His films actually function like these incredibly complex conspiracy theories where you're like, oh, my God, sign me up to the QAnon of Adam Curtis. It all makes sense. (laughs) The problem with this particular film is that the argument is completely incoherent. And, like, it's just while it's sort of a, a delight and a pleasure to move through all of these different stories, you are struggling to understand the whole way through a, how they're all connected, and B, what his ultimate point is. So he he bookends the film with a, a quote by, um, what's the guy's name? I think it's Daniel Graeber, um, who's like a, um, a techno-philosopher, who says that the, the secret of the world is that we made it the way it is and we can make it, um, I'm misquote, I'm paraphrasing, but we made the world the way it is and we can remake it any way that we want. But then a lot of the film is devoted to the notion that not just systems of not just internal the internal human brain but all social and biological and engineered systems are too complex to be understood uh, and we are mere kind of ants in this machine that are very easy manipulable mm. like it's just it's it's it it just doesn't really know what it wants to say about this moment so it's very evocative about feelings that we feel in this moment but their central thesis really isn't there. It's and, so, it sounds so ambitious and idiosyncratic. Is it almost impressive that it's on the BBC? Well, this is this is the genius of Adam Curtis generally and, and the mystery of Adam Curtis. Well, he's not a mystery. He, his films don't cost them a lot and they're essentially this extraordinary show car, a showcase for not just the BBC archive but what the BBC is as this, as this you know, one of the longest-running institutions of um record in the televisual era like it's so this it's a wonderful thing for them that have increased in profile over time cheap to make it's really just one guy Mm. digging through the stuff um and so that's what's great about all of his works god because i've heard him talk his brain appears to move a million miles now so that comes across in this project it's interesting. Like I love watching his films. I don't love so much listening to interviews with him mm. because what he's mostly, I would hope that when Adam Curtis spoke, he would actually speak about the human condition and, and a kind of um, this incredibly dense political and engineering landscape that he's interested in. But actually he mostly talks about his own process and how good and unique it is and how great it is to make history fun, which those things are sort of like on the surface true. So he's sort of a weird and interesting character. Like I think is that he, again, I love the work that he makes, but he's not quite the um, giant brain processing all that is that you would hope. He does have really great taste in music. <laughs> <laughs> okay, would you start here or would you go to his last documentary? I would definitely start with Hypernormalisation or Bitter Lake. Okay. Let me let me just let me just emphasize though he's got such amazingly cool taste in music. Yeah. And one of the great pleasures of watching anything by Adam Curtis is having your Shazam out mm. to add all to these like obscure nuggets to your library like Russian prison songs from the 1970s <laughs> and really cool like amazing third tier jazz covers like very very good. 
it's actually I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say sorry Dan Daniel <laughs> please you can start with this one because this one is of this moment mm-hmm. but if you don't feel this one and you're not complete like loads of people love this one if you don't absolutely love this one then go back to hypernormalization uh-huh. um, and bitter lake I would say all right but well it, it's just come out. It's very yeah. new. It's Can't Get You Out of My Head, An Emotional History of the Modern World. It's a six-part Adam, docu- Adam Curtis documentary and Simone Bullies condensed it into 10 minutes. Beautiful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Simone. Thanks, Thanks Simone. Thanks. Triple R. Nicknames. Uh, I've had my nickname Bobby for 21 years. I feel very old. Oh, so that's a nickname. It's a nickname, yeah. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people don't actually know my name. Mm. Um, but I was at footy training when I was 17 and uh, the coach said to me, uh, said, what's your name? I said, Tina. <laughs> and she goes, Tina Bobarina. <laughs> and literally <laughs> my, na- my nickname was Tina Bobarina for, uh, for about a year until that was just too long. Mm. And then it just got shortened down to Bobarina, to Bobby, Bobs, until Bobby. Wow. So, so Bobby is, you look stunned, Daniel. He felt like he'd been lied to. No, no, it's just more like an off-the-head, flippant, yeah, you know, and has the ripple effect, the repercussions are like the repercussions. <laughs> Positive it's, repercussions. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's funny. Um, when I've had – because i played footy for many years and uh, when you have footy trips and one of the games that you play is you have to call people by their first name and people <laughs> cannot stop laughing when they hear my name is Tina. They're just yeah. like, what? Like it doesn't suit. Do, yeah, right. yeah. I think because I've had it for so long now. Um, but, yeah, so Bobby Bobby is a nickname. And I find it's actually easier, you know, um, when I'm at work, I say, um, you know, my work place and then I say Tina speaking. And apparently I don't pronounce it properly because I hear every – nine times out of ten, they'll go, g'day, Peter. Can I please speak to <laughs> right. Peter? Right? Peter. Peter. Tina. Tina and my brother's name is Peter. Oh, which is even, I mean that's got nothing. It's just a little bit annoying. Yeah. Um. But all the time, and so then I try to like Tina speaking, like just to get it out there. But still, I've had I've had Tanya, I've had Taya, I've had Tia, um, and Peter. Everything. This this one lady actually um, called up and she said, um, she said, oh Peter, that's a gentleman's name. <laughs> and I said, well. It's not. It's also it, it, it's also a female's uh, name. It, it's a gender neutral name, I, I would say. Yeah. And she goes, "Oh, I'm sorry. Did I offend you, Peter?" I said, "Well, <laughs> well, well. My name is Tina, <laughs> Tina." And she's like, "Tia." I said, T-. "Well, it's actually Bobby, which is also another gender neutral <laughs> oh, <no>. name." <laughs> but anyway, who can I transfer you through to? <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, you guys? I only just realised because that if I sign off an email, DB mm-hmm. in lowercase. Double bass? Double bass. Double oh, bass. right. <laughs> Uh-oh. I, I wonder if that'll stick. But it was it was brought to my attention that um, DB, because they, they're the same uh, letter in mirror image, mm. so and, and it was brought to my attention that it looks kind of phallic in addition to being oh. testicular with an upward <laughs> thrust. So now I don't know if I can ever use it. Oh, no. Because mm. I was birdie for a while. Birdie? And then I must mm. have, did I just lose that jocular spirit? Yeah, they're like, oh, you're definitely Daniel now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Birdie's gone. It's, in, it's it's interesting with the, you meant I don't want it to stick. I didn't think it would be t- uh, segueing from testicular, but um, <laughs> I have a round face. 
round shaped face. Um, and in high school, um, my nickname became this is later in high school, so I didn't suffer through it the whole time. But I reckon from about Can we year guess? 10. Yeah. Oh, there you was going to offend now. Yeah. <laughs> M- moon, dinner plate. Cl- classic. So I, get, I, get, I get moon a lot. <laughs> okay. And variations on it, but it was balls. Balls? Yeah, my nickname in high school was Balls. Balls. Oh. <laughs> Does that make sense? No, but I mean, as a 16 year old girl, that's hilarious, isn't it? Yeah. You know, to yell that out oh. in the classroom. Oh, my God. I never thought you had an oval face. Yeah, well, my whole family called me my, called me Moonface. Oh, none of, none of your other family members have round faces. No, nah, it's just me because apparently it was a really smooth birth, just popped right out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I never, didn't realise that I had a circular face until I was getting glasses and I tried on sort of a John look, John Lennon looking oh, pair. Oh yeah, <laughs> and looked look like an emoji. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Bobby McCumber. Because mm. um, when I to it. yeah, because when I hear your name, I hear it comes out to the tune of Lady Madonna. <laughs> Bobby McCumber. <laughs> Is that you've never heard that before, no, have I you? No. no. Uh, but it's it's uh, so you've you've got the distinction. You've got the professional distinction. And yes, yeah. Does right. your family call you Tina? Um, yeah, majority of it's funny sometimes when my parents call me Bobby. It's like oh, don't just Tina. We'll be fine. Um, but all my nieces and nephews call me Auntie Bobby because I just think it's so cute when a little mm, toddler great. says Bobby. So I've ingrained that into them. So they say that. Um, you know, it's funny when you uh, were saying, Mon, about uh, – not funny, offensive, but um, about being called balls. Yeah. Um, one of uh, one of my footy teammates, her name is Rhiannon, and we called her Reballs. Like, oh. Reballs. And we had her 40th birthday uh, just recently and we're like, I think – Maybe we should stop screaming at re-balls all the time. <laughs> so we've gone to re-re. But it just, it's like she's she's not re-re, she's re-balls. Yeah, you can't do it. But it's like, you know, we're all dressed up really nicely. We're out having lunch at a winery oh. and we're like, happy birthday, re-balls. Oh, you can't <laughs> do just, that. Mm. Anyway, listen to Birdie, Bobby and Balls on breakfast. <laughs> Triple. Ah. Uh. Joins us is this week's Friday Funny Bugger on Breakfast. This morning, Prue. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Absolutely. And a, quite a striking sort of Hitchcocky and haunting image that you provided us. Because <laughs> Well, you have to explain that All right. Now. Well, I thought Prue was... Because, yes, there's a ceiling fan that's emitting uh, rhythmic shadows casting across your visage. Anyway, good morning. I'm telling you, I need the air to circulate around me to do my best material. <laughs> We're ready for your best, Prue. Bring it. I'm going to request a fan on every step I'm on. You should. You should. Uh, have you been? Yeah, I've been all right. I've been doing a bit of reflecting and I'm just kind of remembering how in the middle of lockdown last year, I thought now's my time to go off antidepressants. Oh, right. Yeah. Just experiment. A lot of my mates were like, are you sure? Are you sure now? <laughs> now you've got to take things in raw? <laughs> and I was sure and I carried on doing it. And it turns out I was totally fine, just never depressed. I just hate small talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
well, as I was taken out of the equation, not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, I was working with a therapist as well. I was seeing this kind of experiential therapist, um, which is like one step up from a tarot card reader, uh, who I was also seeing. <laughs> <laughs> But my therapist and I, we didn't we didn't talk that much because that's yucky. Uh, what we did is we just really breathed into where all the repressed emotions are in my body. Oh. Uh, we kind of mapped out where they all are. So I know I have a chest full of anxiety and a stomach full of rage. <laughs> uh, and when they said, now's time to kind of like dive in and fix this, I thought, oh, I could stop seeing you, never touch those areas of my body again, and I've become pure. So how did this – can you walk us through what actually happened? Oh, in the therapy? Yeah. Mm. I mean, not you don't have to dig, dig no, too deep. No, you do. I want to know everything that happened to you as a child. No. I'm not paying for it anymore, so it could be useful to really have a little touch-up with you three. <laughs> what we do is we go into the room and – you really had to suspend your disbelief and then I would just breathe into my body and he would ask what I was feeling and it made me very stressed. So I would describe that and that's all we did. That was the whole session. <laughs> Money well spent. What was that? Money well spent, I said. Money well spent. It was still expensive even on a mental health care plan. <laughs> So has this sort of um, breathing in your anxiety and, and everything um, been helpful in any other aspects of life? Do you find you breathe differently now? With every intake, do you feel something new? Well, kind of. I mean, I'm trying to get into running, so I guess being a deep breather is useful for that, <laughs> just kind of sustaining the run. Uh, the problem being I'm sure endorphins are real, but they're totally outweighed for me by the screaming pain of my weak ankles. Oh, so, which, what did he say about your ankles? Did he say anything there? Okay, therapist said nothing. My tarot card reader. Oh, Yeah. Really insistent that I get orthotic when all I wanted to know was when will I find love. <laughs> really frustrating. What is, is your, your ankles? What what happens? I mean, do you, did you get your orthotics? Did you have you sorted no. out? She just got rid of I the tarot. Right now. <laughs> I already have big feet, and they mean you have to go up a shoe size, and I'm just too oh. vain. No, you can't Why? be that. Who, who cares? What's the deal? They're, they're oh. so big, Dan. They, <laughs> and you go to someone's house. They, someone's house, and they make you take your shoes off of the door, and then you go and you're leaving to go home. They go, oh, who's are they? Right? <laughs> are you worried you look like a clown with them on? Yes, because that's what my mum used to say. Oh. More converse. <laughs> she said those look like big ass clown shoes. <laughs> and that was the last time I saw my mum. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I've moved away now. Back to Brisbane, and she can't see my feet. But have you been wearing shoes that are too tight out of insecurity at all? Like, do you, are band aids a prominent fixture of your footwear? I've I've done that a lot. Yes. Huh. How did you know? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, and and now I want to know what size. I know. I was like, is that too private to ask? And if it is, that's no. fine. When I say it's like a, a bang on average size, okay, it's like a, nine, a woman's nine. That is quite that's, normal. That's, yeah, I'm eight and a half. I'm not a nine. That's no, huge. Absolutely not a nine. <laughs> 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 but Prue, were you also six foot tall? You know, 
Yeah. Very short. Okay. Because they're long. They're just thin and long. Mm. Oh, I, I didn't know that's what you're going to be talking about today. I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> No, I didn't know that's what I was going to be talking about. I guess we bought it up. I guess it's the squirting flower lapel as well, really, (laughs) rammed at home. Uh, And are you a good runner? Have you persevered? No, I'm trying to do couch to 5K and I've been on week one for about six weeks. (laughs) Are you still on the couch? I'm still on the couch. So restrictions have eased. You can leave. Yeah. (laughs) I'm waiting for it to tell me to get out of the house, but it's just not saying it. The problem is that I'd go for a run and I just want to take all my stuff with me, so I've got just hands full of things (laughs) that I don't know what to do with. I don't understand how runners do it. Why? What are you taking? I want my keys, I want my phone, I want a water bottle, uh, maybe a book. A book. <laughs> where, do you, where do you go? Do you go around the block or do you go, I go take... around the park? Yeah. But I, I don't like people seeing me stop, you know? Mm. Yeah. And so then I, I push too far. Yeah. Also, you try too hard. That's your problem. I, that's my problem. Mm. <laughs> You've got your phone on you. I've got... Fish oils in my hands for my ankles. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you going to go shoe shopping? Oh, I guess I should, shouldn't I? Yeah. Do you, do you go shopping on your own or do you get help? I went to that place in Clifton Hill where they make you run on a treadmill. Oh, I've oh. been there and I um, I remember seeing people, they make, made them run on the street and it was quite, hum- I'm, not for them, I imagine it was humiliating for them, but it was fun for me to watch. We just get them to do a small, <laughs> do a short little sprint up to the corner and back and they stand there and, and watch them. That was fun. Did you do that? I did do that, yeah, <laughs> and it was embarrassing <laughs> for me. And I think I still chose a pair of shoes, a half size too small. <sighs> Did you see Mon sitting in a car out the front <laughs> watching yeah, you? Yes. You know, someone's sitting there, they've been at McDonald's, had their <laughs> chips, their coke. <laughs> so I was so hungover too, it was awful. Oh, a bit God, like Daniel this morning. Nightmare. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fine. But what's the, if there's a treadmill, why bother going around the block? Like, no, because it needs to be on concrete. Oh, right. Okay. So both surfaces, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I can't yeah. believe it, Prue. It just sounds like a really tough going life. Mm. It's you, you know what? I think I'm just going to go back to yoga. <laughs> <laughs> no shoes. Oh, my God, no perfect. No shoes. Yes. Um, oh, but we have to ask about your, what, what you're up to for the comedy festival. Oh, I have two shows for comedy festival, both in the first two weeks. So I believe they start around the 23rd of this month. Yeah. Very scary. <laughs> uh, Rest of the Fest at Trades Hall, which is an awesome lineup of some of Melbourne's best comedians. And then after that, I'm doing a late night show. I think one of the only late night shows in the festival at the moment called The Nightcap at Storyville. And no, I uh, oh, lots who doesn't of stories, love a bit of guitar, all nice Ooh. and cosy. Brilliant. Uh, that's so good. And just before we leave, your medical advice is go cold turkey on antidepressants. Is that <laughs> Prue Blake approved? I'm saying if you don't have to go into the office, it yeah. might work out. Yeah, well. all right. Wait for <laughs> the next circuit breaker and give it a go. <laughs> um, Prue Blake, thanks, Heath. We'll talk soon. Thanks, bye. Thanks, thanks Prue. Triple R. 
You've been listening to a podcast of the best bits of the Breakfasters, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or via the Triple R website.